you fathers out there. Uh, I did not get to attend the breakfast here. I was preaching over at Mason Creek, but I know you had a great time. Amen. Uh, ladies did a great job of, of uh, taking care of everything. They did everything they could at Mason Creek to give me extra biscuits and gravy with sausage because they think it makes it shorter on the sermon. But I got news, that's fuel. That's fuel, amen? <laughs> Turn, if you would, to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 24 is where we're at. We're going through the book of Exodus on Sunday mornings, and we're down to chapter 24 of Exodus. The book of Exodus has three major components. We're at the end of the second one. The first one is Israel coming out of Egypt. That happens in the first 18 chapters of Exodus. God rescues them by grace. God still rescues us by grace. It's amazing what grace can do. Amen. The second movement is what we're in now. Uh, it's uh, Exodus 19 through 24. And Israel receives God's law and enters into a covenant relationship with God. The third movement and third component begins next Sunday in chapter 25 and goes through the rest of the book. And it talks about instructions on building the tabernacle so that God can worship with the people. So the three sections, summing them up, is deliverance and covenant and then dwelling with God. This morning, we're at the climax of the second section. And in modern times, we define things not by covenant anymore. Most of the time, we define them by contract. And there is a great difference between a contract and a covenant. I had a contract last week before we left to go uh, to Nashville. They were supposed to in install some things in my home, and, and they didn't do it. They didn't show up when they wanted, when they said they were. They broke the contract. So if you break the contract, if one party breaks the contract, you can annul the contract. It's over with. It's different with a covenant. Even if the party is not faithful, the covenant still endures. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that even though we sin after we get saved, we still have the precious blood of Jesus that separates our sins as far as the east is from the west? The Lord didn't establish a contract. He established a covenant. And uh, I don't have time this morning. It's a great study. We may do it later, but the, the eternal covenant is mentioned the covenant God made with Eden in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1, the covenant he made with Adam in Genesis 3, the covenant he made with Noah in Genesis 8, the covenant he made with Abraham in Genesis 12, the Mosaic covenant in Exodus 20, he made a Palestinian covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he made a covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7, and then the new covenant, the covenant of unconditional blessing based upon the finished redemptive work of Jesus Christ is found in Jeremiah and Luke and Hebrews chapter 8. Now we come here, look if you would, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 24. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? I never get tired of saying that. The Bible says, He said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice. And they said, all the words which the Lord hath said, we will do. Now, we, we don't have time to 
really major on that, but talk is cheap. We're going to find out later on they were talking a good talk, but they didn't actually do what they said they were going to do. But for this sermon, it's important that we understand they said we're going to do what the Lord said do. In verse 4, Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, rose up early in the morning, built an altar under the hill, 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. Moses took half of the blood, put it in basins, half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar, and he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord had said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Father, thank you this morning again as we come into your presence. Oh, God, we don't need men's opinions. We don't need ideas or what the world thinks. Lord, would you help us to hear you straight this morning. Thus saith the Lord. We want to hear it from you. We want to see you this morning high and lifted up. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When the blood was shed, the Bible says, as with the death of Christ, so is the sacrifice here. There's a lot of it in the circumstances. The blood was shed, first of all, after they honored God. Verse 1 says that come up unto the Lord and worship. They honored God. They worshiped God. Before the cross was ready, Christ had this testimony that he pleased God. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 15 Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Listen, Jesus didn't come with his own agenda. He didn't come thinking, this is what I'd like to do. This is how I'd like to honor the Father. He came saying this, whatever the Father said, that's what I want to do. Wherever the Father wants me to go, that's where I want to go. Whatever the Father would have me be, that's what I want to be. Those are the same things that are still evident and important that we uh, do today also. It was after God was honored when the blood was shed. But it was also after the word of the Lord was revealed. Moses, verse 4, told the people all the words of the Lord. They got the word from God, and uh, he told them the word of God. Now, we don't need Moses this morning to tell us what God says. We've got God's completed book. And guys, I want to just reiterate again, those of you who are watching, let me tell you, folks, this book is not some dream book. It's not some fable. It's not some myth. It's the holy word of God. It has no error in it whatsoever. It doesn't make any difference what you think. There were 40 men over a 16-year period that uh, wrote this book because they had the same author, the Holy Spirit of God. And this book has never had anything proven false in it since the beginning of mankind. This is the Word of God. And if you want your family to live according to the Word of God, you got to get into the Word of God. He showed them the word of God before the blood was sprinkled. And then after that, not only was God honored and the word of the Lord was revealed, but an altar had been built. Moses built an altar. Uh, Jesus, uh, the sacrifice was made bearing on the cross. I'm thankful this morning that our Lord didn't call a ram. He didn't call a sheep. 
He didn't call a, a, any kind of animal sacrifice. He came himself and he died on Calvary for our sin. And so we build an altar to the Lord. It suggests the determinate counsel of God. The Bible says in John 19, 18, there they crucified him. Uh, this was all part of God's plan. Listen, it didn't catch God by surprise. It was part of God's plan. When the blood was shed, it was shed after God was honored and worshiped. It was shed after the word of the Lord was revealed, and it was shed after the altar had been built. But not what this blood signifies to us today and this morning, it signifies sacrifice, but it also implies sin. Let me tell you, there would have been no need for the blood unless there had been sin. Now, a lot of folk have a problem with that today. They think they're good people. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. Not a one. Sin is in the middle of everything. One of the big things this uh, week at the Southern Baptist Convention, of course, was the CRT, critical race theory deal and all that mess. And we did pass a resolution. If you want to hear more about it, I'll explain that on Wednesday night. It wasn't really the one I wanted, but it's not a bad one. It's nothing bad about it. Uh, but I want to tell you the problem of mankind is not critical race. It's not racism. It's not different ideas. The problem that mankind has had since the Garden of Eden and still has today is sin. S-I-N, and the I is in the middle of it. We are the ones that are in the middle of it there. And so it implies that there's sin. If there were no sin, there'd need to be no blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So the fact that the blood is a sacrifice implies to us that sin is there. We have sin. Every one of us has sinned. Then it also implies, though, substitution. That blood substitutes my sin, your sin, and gives us reconciliation to a holy God. The offerings and the sacrifices were unto the Lord. It was because of the people. The Bible says in Isaiah 56, he was wounded for our transgressions. He suffered for us. He died for us. Uh, the sacrifices were the Lord's by right, and then he allowed for the people, and they were accepted by him on the altar. And, of course, now we have a perfect sacrifice in Jesus Christ. But the blood signifies that there is sin. It signifies that there is a substitution. But here's the glorious thing. I wish somebody helped me preach this morning. It implies salvation. When the blood is applied and, it, and the sin is wiped away and the reconciliation is made through the substitution of the Lamb of God, it implies that we have salvation through Jesus Christ. I tell you, Isaac was saved when that lamb took his, uh, ram took his place on the altar. Can you imagine that scene? Isaac, of course, was old enough to have whipped his daddy if he'd have wanted to. Can you imagine them going up that mountain and the son saying, Where, where's, the, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? God will provide the lamb. While they're going up the mountain on this side, unbeknownst to them on the other side of the mountain, here's a ram that's making his way through the bushes and through the underbrush. And by the grace of God, when they get to the top, there the mountain, at the top of the mountain, there the ram is that God provided for the sacrifice. I'm thankful this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood on Calvary, shed for me and shed for you, 
There, when we get to him, it's satisfied. It's salvation. And praise God for salvation. He gave himself for me. The Bible says in Acts 13, 39, all that believed are justified. Now, let me just closely look here at where this blood was sprinkled. The Bible says in verse 6 that it was sprinkled on the altar. Moses took half of the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Now, the altar represents the claims of God's holiness and God's justice. There are a lot of people today that think sin's no big deal. And usually, I'm just to shoot straight with you, it's because it does, it's not their relationship to sin that's a problem. Most of us in this room and most of us in this country know the difference between right and wrong. We, we, know, we know the difference. You see, the, the, the problem is not that we have a problem with the relationship of sin. The problem is that many of us in this room may not know about the holiness of God. See, God is holy, and God is not going to look upon sin. He's not going to tolerate sin. There has to be a payment for that sin. And I want to just tell you, guys, if you think, if you think that God's going to wink at your sin when he would not wink at sin when his own son died on the cross, listen, you, you're not living with a right mind. You're not living with a right mind. It, it, it was sprinkled on the altar because that satisfied the holiness of God. It fulfills the law and it makes peace. The psalmist said in Psalm 107, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Oh, that we could praise him this morning for his goodness. It was not only sprinkled on the altar, though, but it was also sprinkled on the people. He took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, the Bible says. Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you. This blood recognized the redemption. We had come in personal contact with life. Because you see, the life is in the blood. The life is not in grace. The life is not in mercy. The life is not in love. The life is in the blood. And so when the blood was sprinkled here on the people, it signifies the redemption. The value of the sacrifice in his sight is now imputed to them. We have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. He, uh, Ephesians 1.7 tells us that. It not only though signified redemption, it also signified reconciliation. Reconciliation. How much more? shall the blood of Christ. If this was the blood of the covenant that reconciled, how much more shall the blood of Christ reconcile? Now listen, guys, the, 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 the bottom line truth is this. Our motto has been for 17 years that we're preparing people for the coming of the Lord. For some people this morning, and you're sitting here, you're not redeemed. In order for you to prepare to meet Jesus, you need to invite him into your heart and life. You say, oh, preacher, I've been going to church. Oh, that's wonderful. We'll put a star by your name there. But that's not going to get anything for you in eternal life. You've got to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to be reconciled with a holy God. And the Bible says the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. John said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus, no man comes to the Father but by me. It's got to be through him. Some of you this morning need to be prepared and invite Jesus into your life and your heart. 
in order for you to be prepared to meet him. But there are others of you in this place this morning, you know you're saved and you know you love the Lord, but there's just the cares of this world has just come in. It's literally sucked the life out of you here. Let me tell you the glorious thing about the blood of Christ. It can reconcile us to a holy God. And this morning, maybe some of you in this place that already know you're saved, what you need is your joy restored. What you need is to once again say it's been good to come to the house of the Lord. What you need once again is to get God's outlook on life and not some pessimistic, uh, sour outlook on life. We're made nigh by the blood, Ephesians 2.13 says. So with the redemption and then with the reconciliation comes our obligation. The Lord has said, will we do? And we will be obedient. Be faithful unto death. It's a way. You know, teaching today as an emphasis has almost become nil and, and void in the New Testament church. People don't want any teaching. They don't want any uh, effective uh, way of growing and nurturing in the Lord. What people want today, they want their flesh excited. They want to be pumped. They want to leave here excited, talking about how great the service was. It's amazing to me how folks covet after their favorite Bible teachers, but they won't covet after the Word of God itself. It's amazing to me how folks will listen with bated breath to hear what the next superstar Bible teacher is going to say, and yet they will not sit at the feet of Jesus for 10 minutes a day to read the Word of God. Coach Vince Lombardi, of course, he's known for his coaching of the Green Bay Packers, but it's little known. He, he started out as a basketball coach. Fordham University. And as a coach, every day he would say this. He'd line up his players in a line, and he would say, God has ordained me to teach you young men about basketball today. I want to know who wants that training. Step across the line. Step across the line. Listen, I think God is saying today, listen, I want to know who's going to follow me. I want to know who's going to serve me. Step across that line. Amen. Get involved in the, in the battle. He called for a moment of determination. And if the, if the Lord is saying, if you want me to guide you, if you want me to guard you, if you want me to govern your life every day, then you step across that line and you say, I'm going to be committed to the things of God. I think it was Jesus that said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. I think it was Jesus that said, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So it brings us to the very last point. I got to hurry where the worship takes place. I could stay here three hours. I could. I might. <laughs> that ought to woke the rest of them up, bless God. I, I saw two or three heads shoot up. <laughs> Oswald Chambers said this. He said, Christ doesn't give us an overcoming life. He gives us life as we overcome. That, that's pretty deep there. What, you see, what we see in Exodus 24 is not just Israel's past, but what we see here this morning is our future. 
It's not just the past of Israel. It's going to be our future. This is the Christian life, wholehearted devotion under the grace of God, enjoying his presence. Let me ask you something. Do you desire to draw close to Christ? I mean, is that really a desire of your heart? You get up in the morning thinking, how could I get a little closer to Jesus today? I've been writing a book for 30 years. <laughs> and uh, it's a book that relates chasing a wife like you're chasing Jesus. Because I hear so many preachers I, that say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, have you fallen out of love in Jesus? Man, I remember when 45 years ago, before we got married, I wanted to buy my wife. I was a full-time student at East Texas Baptist. I had a full-time church in Shreveport, and I wanted to buy my wife a wedding ring. Took another job working 11 to 7 at Best Yet Foods so I could buy that ring. You say, well, that's crazy. No, I was in love with her. See, when you're in love with somebody, don't, everybody won't count the cost, count the cost. You better count the cost before you ever get in love with Jesus. Because once you say yes to Jesus, it don't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter anymore. You're sold out. You're ready to do anything you can. Do you have a desire to draw near to Christ? Do you have a wholehearted commitment to Christ? Israel's oath is an important part of this covenant. And in Christ, we're not saved by our obedience. We're saved by Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something, folks. All those who are saved are going to want to grow in the nature, uh, nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't tell me you got saved and you're satisfied to sit and do nothing. That just don't add up. Gil Bird, some of you, it's been years ago, he played 11 years as a defensive back with the San Diego Chargers. And over a five-year period, he led the NFL in pass interceptions. And they were interviewing him saying, what was the most important thing? What's the most impressive thing that ever happened to you while you were playing for the San Diego Chargers? It wasn't what the guy wanted to hear. But he said, the most impressive personal experience I was introduced to faith in Jesus Christ by a running back on our team. It was Sherman the Tank Smith. Any of y'all remember Sherman the Tank? He said this. He said, Sherman showed me it takes more of a man to walk with God than it does to deny him. I'll tell you this morning, Daddy, it takes more of a man to say, I'm going to live for God than it does one to just say, I'm going to just coast. Gil further said, I want to go beyond just being a Christian. I want to be somebody who lives the Word of God. Do you draw near and behold Christ in corporate worship? We may, we may be here another week or two. I don't know. Uh, not now, but I mean later, next week. Because there's just so much, so much here. So much here. We, we, we draw near. We hold each other up. We encourage each other. We exhort one another. We come together to draw near and become fresh to God. It's one of the things we do. Verse 11, the Bible says, Upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. Now, first of all, here's biblical proof that we ought to be eating and drinking in the house of God. Amen? Amen. 
That was one of the motions made at the Southern Baptist Convention this, this week was that we start off with a fellowship supper. Our convention could be better if we had a fellowship supper to begin with. So they're going to look at it and see what happens. Amen? But the second thing here that's here is, now I want to tell you, I know you say, wait a minute, no man can see God. It's not a contradiction here. I'm not saying that. But I want to tell you what, their worship, I believe, was so bona fide, it was so legitimate, so sincere and genuine. You see, they didn't go up the mountain just to have church. They didn't go up the mountain just to sing a few songs. They didn't go up the mountain to do what the bulletin said do. They went up the mountain and they worshiped God in such a way that they saw God. Let me ask you something. When's the last time we had a worship service like that? You say, now, preacher, we coming to church? Yeah, but they saw God. Do you want to see God this morning? I'm in the pew. Surely that's enough. God's satisfied we came. We come on Wednesday, and we go through all of this together. You mean you all have church on Wednesday night? Well, yeah, we have church. <laughs> the Word of God says, we're two or three gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Listen, do you want to be where God is? God says, I'm in the midst of them. Hebrews 10, you know those scriptures in 22 following. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, not forsake the assembling together. We're here as a corporate body to encourage people to love, to encourage people to work and to labor and to live for God. Let me tell you something, folks. It's lonely when you're outside and the devil's beating you up and you're discouraged and, and you're downtrodden and you walk in the house of God and you begin to rub shoulders with other Christians that have been down the same road you've had this, this last week. They've gone through some of the same trials and same tribulations. They've done some of the same problems and they're discouraged. But the sinner that's been saved by grace, heaven is our home. God is our Father. Jesus is our Savior. And the Holy Ghost is our Comforter. And there's something special about walking in the house of God and rubbing shoulders. You say, man, the devil has beat me up this week. But he beat him up too, and he beat her up too, and he beat him up too. And we're all in here together as a family of God. We're worshiping together. <laughs> Woo, just about the time you think I can't go no, far, no farther. You hear a choir saying, there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Ah. And then they didn't sing that verse, but I was thinking about it while they were singing it. That like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we're treading where the saints have trod. We're not divided, all one body. We, one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. My Savior suffered and he died on Calvary. And they put him in that borrowed tomb. And he stayed there three days. And he arose and he lives today. But listen to me. That's not where the story ends. 
That's not where it ends. Then I heard that quartet. I hadn't heard them in a while. They come out of the mothballs today. Amen. You think we ought to hear them a little bit more. Amen. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> you hear that quartet sing, this world's not my home. I'm a stranger in this life. I'm going where the streets are made with gold, where the milk and honey flow. Hallelujah. Where we'll never grow old. But I want to tell you, that's not the climax of my worship either. It, it, it's not the climax of my worship to come in here and sit with other of God's people and, and praise God for that. But that's not the climax. The climax is not when I come in here and see you. The climax is when I come in here and see him. That's when you know you've been in a prayer meeting in a worship service. When you see Jesus high and lifted up. There's a stirring in us. There's a moving in us. And we come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays and we've been through a bunch of mess and we've had a tough week, but we come in here and open the precious word of God and sing these songs and give our offering and give our prayers and goes up to heaven and we say, oh God, reveal yourself to me today. That's when we see Jesus. <laughs> what about you? Are, are you, you really want to see Jesus? <laughs> God has blessed in so many ways. But could you just think with me for a moment what would happen if the glory of God fell on this place? It'd probably give you just this quiet right here. We couldn't say nothing. I want that. I want that. I want you and I to worship together. I want us to hold uncompromisingly to the word of God. But more than anything in this world, I want to see Jesus. I want to see him not just in heaven, but I want to see him right now. I want to see him high and lifted up. I want to see him in people's attitudes, in people's spirits. In people's walk by faith, I want to see Jesus. The question this morning, are you prepared to see Jesus? Father, we're grateful for all you've done. And you've been such a great, awesome Father. What I'd ask you this morning, speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. There are souls they're sitting in this auditorium that if you came this afternoon they would spend eternity separated from you God I pray this morning they would be saved before it's too late there are others in this place that need a church home need to come and say Lord I'll do what you said Father I'll be obedient I'll be accountable I want to worship you there are others that need to come to this altar there are others that maybe need to take a wife by the hand or some children by the hand and say, go pray with me. Your daddy has failed, but oh, how I need the strength of God. Would you pray with me? Families, come and pray at this altar. Lord, whatever you want to happen, let it happen for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron leads us this morning. You come. 
God's spirit into your heart. Come on. Just like you are. Altars are open. You come on. Don't wait on anybody.